Hey, this is Evan Black, pastor of Faith for Life Church, and this is our podcast. Thanks for joining us today. If you don't yet know Jesus, I'm so glad that you're listening, and I pray that this message empowers you to give your life to Christ. If you're just starting out on your journey with Jesus, I hope this empowers you to connect with Him. If you're strong in your connection to Christ, I believe this message will empower you to follow Him. So enjoy today's message. If you have your Bibles, turn to Genesis chapter 2. I wanted to uh, preach out of Genesis chapter 2 because even my family could find Genesis chapter 2. That's in the beginning. That's all the way to the left. Uh, You can turn in your Bibles or your iPads to Genesis chapter 2. I'm coming at you all today. You're on the front row and yeah, and uh, and I got the mic and there's nothing y'all can do about it. So um, so we're we're, we're finishing a series uh, this this week that I started several weeks ago and it's called So Fresh and So Clean. And so maybe you know what that's a reference to, maybe you don't. If you're not sure what that's a reference to, to. I'm going to show you real quick what that's a reference to. Okay, 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 stop, 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 stop. Every week I've had to tell you to stop. Two reasons i got to tell you to stop right there. Number one is because probably the rest of the song is not appropriate for this gathering. Number two is if you keep playing it, we're, I mean, I'm, I'm going to be jamming. That, is, that was my jam. As you can look around and see, you don't see any pictures in here of me when I was in church. <laughs> I didn't grow up in church. I grew up outside of church. Um, and, and so I loved Outcast. I loved that song. That was my jam. The song is all about looking good and nobody's as fresh and as clean, which is a reference to looking good as, as, as Outcast. And, um, and so growing up as a suburban white kid in Atlanta, like I was, I was, I was, I mean, I was jamming that. I loved that. That was me. I loved it. It was amazing. And so we've been talking about what does that have to do with God over the last several weeks? And we've been talking about how how God sees us now, if you're a believer in Jesus, how he sees you, and he sees you as fresh and clean. He sees you as clean, even if maybe you don't always see yourself as clean. And so um, to to just recap really quickly, uh, we know that God created Adam and Eve, and they were in the garden, and and they were created in his image and in his likeness. So they were created essentially what we would call fresh and clean. And then um, Eve sins, she eats the, of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil that God told her not to eat of, and, and she gives to Adam, and Adam eats, and that brings sin and disease and sickness and pain and lack and ultimately death into the world. And now all of a sudden, Adam and Eve were no longer fresh and clean like God had created them to be. And so God has a remedy for this. He brings Jesus. Jesus leaves heaven. He comes down into the earth, um, not born of a man, because had he been born of a man, he would have been born into sin like we are born into sin. And because he came not of a man but from a a virgin and the Holy Spirit, that he came and he came in without sin. And the Bible tells us he was tempted in every way, just like you've ever been tempted and I've ever been tempted. In every possible scenario, he was tempted, but the Bible says that he was without sin. And because he was without sin, born of a woman, not born of a man, he comes into the earth. And now because he lived his life that way, he qualifies as someone who lived his life fresh and clean from birth until this point and he allows himself to be captured, to be mocked, to be spit on, to be beaten, ultimately to be crucified, to pay a price that we weren't able to pay. Because he was so fresh and so clean, 
He was the only person in the history of the world after Adam sinned that would, be, that would have qualified and been able to make us fresh and clean. And because he was fresh and clean without sin, he allows himself to go to the cross. The Bible tells us that he takes all of our sins onto him, onto his shoulders. He, he takes them, our past sins, our present sins, our future sins. He takes all of them and he lays his life down and gives his life as a sacrifice for us. Bible tells us he then goes down into hell for three days. He goes down into hell for three days, and Satan thinks that he's got Jesus. He, he thinks that he's won. But the Bible tells us also that three days later, the Holy Spirit, the same Holy Spirit that lives inside of a believer, is, has the power and raised him up from the dead so that he is now alive and living and seated at the right hand of the Father and living in you and I that are believers. And therefore, when God sees us, he sees Jesus in our hearts because he sees our hearts, and he sees us as he sees Jesus as fresh and clean. Now, because of that, today I want to show you three things in Genesis chapter 2 that, that we can now apply to our lives because now that we are seen as fresh and clean, we can actually um, see some of the benefits of this. And to see that, we need to go back to before sin entered the earth. What were some of the benefits of Adam especially, but Adam and Eve, before they sinned, that we can apply to our lives? In Genesis chapter 2, I'm going to begin in verse 15. It says, the Lord God took the man being Adam, and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and keep it. Now, let me just side note, point this out really quickly. Um, God does this on purpose because everything God does is on purpose and in purpose and for purpose. And so this is not some random garden, and he's not just putting Adam there, but he's putting them there for a purpose, to work it and to keep it. What God does, he does on purpose and for purpose. Uh, many times when we look at these verses, you, you all know this, um, uh, we're going to get to the point where he brings a helper for him. And, and, you know, we'll talk about, you know, ladies, before you get married, you need, this man needs to have a job because Adam was in the garden with a job. He had a J-O-B. He need, he, you need a man with a job. And y'all are like, amen. And, yeah, I got that. But, really, this is, this is about purpose more than it's about a man having a job, even though man should work or they shouldn't eat. But that's another story for another day. And verse 16, and the Lord God commanded the man, saying, you may surely eat of the tree of the garden. Now, now, now many times we think of this scenario and we, this story of Adam and Eve in the garden, and we think that God had this tree that they couldn't eat out of, and we focus on what they couldn't do. But when you read this, the first thing God did was give them freedom. The first thing God did was say, you can eat of everything here. All of this is for you to enjoy, for you to work it and keep it, to live on purpose, but enjoy the fruit of the purpose. He says, you can eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat, for in that day you eat of it, you shall surely die. There's only one tree that you can't eat of. All the rest you can eat. Now think about this. This is an unscathed perfectly created garden created by God with trees and, and, and fruits and things that we should eat of, we could eat of, and they were made by God and they were not corrupted in any way. Can you imagine how good this must have been? Like I love strawberries. I couldn't imagine a strawberry in the Garden of Eden before sin came. Like, like maybe it was chocolate covered or I don't really like chocolate. Usually there's a joke there, but I don't really like chocolate. Maybe it was vanilla cream covered or like, I, I don't know, but I could just imagine that, that whatever they were eating off of these trees had to be phenomenal, something that our taste buds can't even fathom. But he said, there's one tree that you can't eat of. And he's, Adam was just like us. 
right? So if, if we say there's one thing you can't do, that is the one thing you want to do. Yesterday we were sitting in my house and we were all talking and my mom said, um, something, she was telling a story and she said to one of her grandkids, uh, you know, don't you do that and you shouldn't have done that. And, and, and as soon as she did it, my wife started laughing. And, and we said, like, Mom, if you said it that way, then that was the reaction that we got. Because, like, that one thing that you shouldn't do, especially for kids, is, like, the one thing that you want to do. It's, you feel drawn to it. And, and God is like, this one tree you can't eat of. And, man, this one tree. And that was the tree they were drawn to. We're, we're going to read about that in just a minute. This tree, though, was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now, the only thing that made this sin was the fact that God told him not to do it. Sin is simply falling short of what God says and his standards. But so God says, don't eat of this tree, and that's the only reason it was a sin. But it's interesting that God chose this tree to say not, eat, not to eat of, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So at this point, if you eat of this tree of the knowledge of good and evil, then you will have the knowledge of good and evil. So Adam and Eve, even though they were created in his image, they did not have this knowledge of good and evil. It was not built into them. In Jeremiah, it tells us that it's still not built into us for us to determine good and evil. That's why the Bible also says that God is the only one who determines good. We may think this is good, but wait 50 years. When my mom was growing up, some things that were good, not so good anymore. And some things that were evil, you look at it like, not really that evil. Give it some time, and those kind of things change. That's why the Bible is clear that we should not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. We were always created and designed to live by revelation, to live by what God says to us and how God leads us, not our own understanding. Lean not unto our own understanding, but acknowledge him in all our ways, and he will direct our paths. It is not in us to be able to determine 100% fully good, bad, evil, guidance, direction. We don't know the future. We don't know what the best decision for today is apart from what God speaks to us. The first thing that I want to show you with, that happens before sin is that God comes, he's with Adam, he's, his presence is there, and he clearly communicates with Adam. Adam can clearly hear God's voice. Adam, we, we'll read in Genesis 3, not today, but, but you can read in Genesis 3 where God walked with Adam in the cool of the day and they were conversating, they were going back and forth. So not just that Adam could go to God and talk to God, but God would talk to Adam. And man, when we get to the place where we realize that when you've given your life to Christ, you are now fresh and clean, you are made clean in Christ, and now you have the ability to go to God and be in his presence. You don't even have to make an appointment. You can just show up whenever you want to. You can bow your head and close your eyes, or you can sing in the shower, or you can do it while you're driving, but you can go to the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the one who has all power and every answer whenever you want to, and you have clear access to his presence and his word. You can hear his voice and a stranger's voice you won't follow. You can learn to hear God's voice and hear his communication and you can do it clearly because so many times the Christians that I talk to, it's, we want to do what God wants us to do. We just don't know what God wants us to do. And even when we're praying, it's like, if I just knew exactly what God wanted me to do, I would do it. But I, but I doubt whether or not I'm hearing from God. Not because I doubt God, I doubt my ability to hear from God. I'm not sure if this is God. If I knew this was God, I would do it, and I would do it with everything that I have, but I'm unsure because I'm not really sure if it's God. But because we've been made so fresh and so clean, just like Jesus and just like Adam was before sin, we have in us the ability to rely on God and his word and his presence and hear it clearly 
and have him communicate to us clearly. This is what Adam experienced before sin. In, in verse 18, it says, Then the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. Now, this is, this, there's so much in this. I don't have time to go into all this, but I'm so glad because um, another thing we were talking about this weekend is <laughs> my wife was like, for my 40th birthday, I don't want any of this. I want to go to some secluded island. I don't want to see, I don't want to see my mom. I don't want to see my brothers. I don't want to, I, I want to, I want to get away. And I'm like, no, no, no. I want everybody to come. It's not good for me to be alone. I want to be around people. I had all these plans of what I would want to do. Like, let's go swimming. Let's go golfing. Let's go kayaking and all this family comes in town let's sit in the living room and just sit there I don't even care what we talk about I just it's not good for me to be alone I'm off track I'm off track it's not good that the man should be alone I will make him a helper fit for him now out of the ground the Lord God had formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call them and whatever the man called every living creature that was its name the man gave names to all the livestock and to the birds of the heavens and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper fit for him. Now, now this is really good. Uh, and this is a side note, and I don't have time for side notes right now. But, but, but Adam, gets, he sees all these animals, and he names them, and he sees there's not a helper fit for him. See, what was the purpose of this? Because God does everything on purpose and in purpose and for purpose. God is bringing these animals to Adam, not just for him to name, but to find a helper for him. To find a helper fit for him. I am so glad that Adam didn't get distracted. I'm so glad that he didn't get off course. I'm so glad he stuck to the purpose of I am looking for a helper fit for me. And this donkey ain't going to cut it. This, this, you know, this, this, uh, my barber this week was talking about an orca well. Like, no, I'm not going in the water. I'm not a mermaid. I'm not going, nope, that orca well is not going to cut it. That is not a, a fit for me. This bird is not fit for me. Like, no, no, none of these animals work. Praise the Lord. Y'all can get that later if you don't. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man, and while he slept, took one of his ribs and closed it up with his flesh, and the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man he made into a woman and brought her to the man. Then the man said, this is at last the bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called, of course, I talked about this recently, woe, man, because she was taken out of man. Here, if you go back to verse 19, and think about this, God forms all these animals and then he brings them to Adam, not with name tags on, but to see what Adam would call them. God doesn't bring these things to Adam and say, here, call this one a, a donkey, this one an elephant, this one a dog, this one a cat. They don't come with name tags. They come to Adam and Adam gets to name them. And God sits back and sees what Adam will name them. And God honors what Adam will name them. See, before sin came into the world, Adam got to name the things that came into his life, the things that came across his path. God brought things to Adam, and Adam named them. Adam got to call them what they would be. And now that we're so fresh and so clean, we get the power to name. We have the ability to name what God brings into our life. We get the ability to, to say when God brings us a seed, whether or not it's a seed or a harvest. 
We get the ability when God brings an opportunity into our life to say whether or not it's a blessing or a cursing. Because some of us have called opportunities that God brought to us cursings and not blessings. God will bring things into our lives and he will sit back and he will honor and respect what we call it. And we have the ability to name it and to call it what it should be. Now the Bible tells us so much about this as believers. It tells us that we have the power of life and death in our tongue. That we can speak words and those words are powerful and they have the power to create and they have the power to destroy. It also tells us to call those things that be not as though they were. That's King James. And, man, I'm, I'm really proud that I've memorized that. If you've not been here a while, you'll get it later as you come back. <laughs> but, but, but it tells us to call those things that be not as though they were, to, to essentially live by faith. Now, this is not some blind, you just name it and claim it, but this is living by faith and seeing what God brings you and you naming it. And God will sit back and honor that. But God's not the only one who brings things into our lives. Satan brings things into our lives. We bring things into our own lives. And even in those situations, because we have made, been made fresh and clean, God will sit back and allow us to first name it before he moves on it. Two weeks ago, I was meeting with a friend of mine and and, uh, and we were supposed to meet at a certain time, at a certain place. And, and he texted me like a little bit before uh, we were supposed to meet. And he was like, hey, I'm running late. I'm like, yeah, yeah, no problem, man. Um, and I'm sitting there, I'm waiting. He gets there and he comes in. And he's like, yeah, man, sorry, man. I was, I was at the laundromat uh, doing my laundry and it ran over and, <clears throat> and we got to talking. And he was like, yeah, yeah, I also had to, uh, I had to get out of the hotel. I've been living in a hotel uh, and so I had to, to get all that stuff out and get out, and that's a laundry mat. And we actually met a little bit later, and his, he got, you know, his car was all messed up and had a starter issue and, like, all this stuff. And he's coming in, and he's got this big smile on his face. I'm like, well, man, golly, you know, I just came from a nice house. My car's working. I got, a, I got a washer and dryer in my house, you know. And I'm like, man, we're, like, at Starbucks or something. Like, we're, I mean, like, all first world stuff, right? I'm sitting there, and I'm like, well, man, so, man, how are you doing? I'm thinking, like, I'm about to, like, man, let me pray for you. Man, let me encourage you. This season will only last. And he's like, man, everything's great. This is great. Every, life is good. I can't complain. I'm saying, man, you're better than me. <laughs> I, think, I think if I just ran out of the laundry mat, I, 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 let's be honest. After I went to junior college, one of these pictures somewhere, I never went to another laundry mat to do my laundry. I don't, I've never been, I don't know, I, I would just, I, that would stress me. And then my car messing up and living in a hotel, like that would stress me. And he comes in and he's like, man, life is good. Life is good. I'm sitting there like, okay, here we go. And this is not like a Elizabethan talking, like King James, like, oh, praiseth the Lordeth, everything is greateth, and really he's miserableeth. This is genuine like, man, everything is good. God is good. Life is good. I'm happy. And then we start talking. He starts talking about another area of his life. And he's like, man, this is not good. Like, this is not good. And he's like, I just, you know, man, I just don't see. It's just not good. I don't see how this could be good. I, I, you know, man, it, it's this or that. And I'm like, whoa, 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 wait, wait, man, wait, wait, wait. You just came here. You were late because you came from the laundromat, checking out of a hotel you've been living at. And he was like, it's not like the Hilton. Like, he was like at a Motel 6 or something. At least that's the way it was in my mind. I don't know if it was actually. And I'm like, 
You're, you're calling this area of your life good when I'm sitting there calling it not good. And you're telling me about this other area where really it's not that bad. And you're calling it bad. And I'm like, man, that's not that bad. Like you need to shift this and move that and just think a little differently. And that's great. This is what you really need to be working on. He's like, no, no, no. This is good. This is bad. I'm like, why? Because God sits back and allows us to name what's going on in our lives. What we see, what's coming into our lives, he allows us to name it. And when he calls this thing good, even though I'm calling it bad, he gets to determine his joy and his peace and his happiness, and God honors that. And then you know what God does? God blesses that. Now, now this just works too perfect. I wasn't planning on telling you this part, but it just works too perfect. And I'm not saying God will do this every single time as cleanly and as perfectly and as this step as it is. But last week, after we met, he was going to sign papers. Papers to buy a house, the first person in his family to buy a home. He was leaving the hotel to go buy his first home, the first one in his family. God is sitting here looking and he steps back and he says, okay, you're going to call this good, even though a whole lot of people wouldn't call that good. And God honors that. I'm not saying that's the only reason there were other things that played into that. But the honor that God has for what we call a thing is the power of life and death in our tongue. And no matter what you may be going through, no matter how difficult or devastating a situation that may be brought to you or you may bring on yourself, God steps back and he looks to see what you call it. And then he honors that. And if you call it a blessing, if you call it good, he will honor that. And maybe the honor in that is just the peace that you have on the inside. Maybe he doesn't take you from a hotel to a home that quickly or in those steps. But here's what I know. When you start calling it good, blessed, and whatever word you want to use, you start feeling a different way. You start thinking a different way. You start talking a different way. You start acting a different way. And soon enough, you look up, and it is a different way. Before sin, Adam got to call a thing what it was, and that's what it was. Now that we've been made so fresh and so clean, we get to call a thing what it is, and that will be what it is. Let me finish this in verse 24. It says, therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife. I just feel like there's something I should say there with my mom and dad both in the room. And Okay. Big, big sister says don't. <laughs> If you're new here, please come back. Just give us one more chance. Just one more chance. They won't be here next week. They live in Georgia. They're going home. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. Now, let's think about this because we read this and we just go through this. But the man and the wife, they were there. They were naked and they were not ashamed. Now, they were created I mean, this is first-generation God, right? Like made in his image and his likeness. So Adam and Eve being without clothing, like the, the shame would not have come in their figure, in the shape of how their body, like they, were, they had to have been like whatever amazing is that had to, like they had to be that, right? Like God created Adam with his hands. I mean, he's out of the dirt, but with his hands. So ladies, I don't know how y'all think that looks good, but however y'all think that looks good, because to me, I just see dirt. I see a bunch of dirt, whether it's light dirt or dark dirt or middle dirt. Like I just see dirt with the guys. But, the, but then he takes the, out of the rib, 
and makes this being that is so beautiful that Adam sees it and says, whoa, wow. Like, that's beauty. That's not out of the dirt. Like us. But whatever that is, like, they had to look amazing. You know, as I'm now, this is my first day in my 40s. I'm not, I'm not quick to run around taking my shirt off. When you look at some of these other pictures, like, if you did, I, like, I had lines where you were supposed to have lines. I actually have the lines now. They're just not like they're supposed to be. The other day I was sitting like this. I was sitting in a chair and I was leaning forward and I got up and I don't know why I didn't have my shirt on it. And Josiah, he looked at me, he's dad, dad, why do you have lines on your stomach? And I looked and it was like lines like you would have if it was a six pack, but it wasn't those kind of lines. It was like the fat lines. Y'all know what I mean? Like if you sit like this too long and the fat rolls over the other fat and it makes a line and it turns red. Maybe, I don't know if that's just white people or if it's, it's, (laughs) but for us, if we do that, okay, okay, back up, back up, back up. (laughs) But normally I don't have a lot. I'm not like, yeah, let's go to the pool. But, But I used to be like that. But Adam and Eve, that would not be why they would have been ashamed. They would have had lines where they're supposed to have lines. But they were not ashamed. They were not ashamed of their body. They were not ashamed. What is being naked? It's not about just having clothes or not clothes. It's about being exposed. Adam and Eve were fully exposed. No secrets, no hidden agendas, nothing that they've kind of said but not really said, nothing that was unconfessed. They knew everything. They were completely, fully exposed, and they had no shame. No shame. Listen, I've done some things, maybe even today, that I'm a little bit ashamed of. I know Friday, I just went off on my sister. I thought we were in our living room. I don't even know. And all of a sudden, the church people went, <gasps> I had a little shame from that. I've done some things and said some things in my life that I feel a little shame about. And that shame paralyzes us. It hinders us. It keeps us from humbly and confidently keeping our head up, picking our head up, and moving forward. But Adam and Eve didn't have any shame. They didn't know anything about shame. They didn't experience shame because there had been no sin. There there was no fault. There was nothing to be shameful of. And what, what happens with us is we can remember shame. I can look at some of these pictures and they're just there's just shame. Just shame. I don't know who let me wear some of this stuff, but just shame. Shame. But the Bible tells us that when we give our lives to Christ, we are made a new creation. And old things are passed away, and behold, all things become new. The Bible tells us that when Jesus, when he died and when he rose again, part of what he conquered was shame. So that we don't have to be ashamed. If you're a believer in Jesus, there is nothing for you to be ashamed of, including your sins and your faults and your shortcomings. You have nothing to be ashamed of. When I text my buddy and I was like, hey, I might tell a little bit of your story. Is that cool? He was like, absolutely. You can tell him my name. You can tell him all the details. I have no shame because I want people to know that God is real, that he loves them, and anything I can do to advance the kingdom. Like he had no shame that he was washing his clothes in the laundry mat and living in a hotel. Oh, and I forgot this eating ramen noodles he was like man I can't wait to get some something other than ramen noodles and I'm sitting there thinking like man I'd love to have some ramen noodles right now but he had no shame no shame why because he recognizes that God is with him 
And God created him, and God is in him. And whatever his mistakes are, he can ask God to forgive him, and God makes him new, and God makes him fresh and clean again. He can pick his head back up, and he can walk forward in what God wants him to do. For many of us, we need to cast down the shame. If you need to ask God to forgive you for something, then you need to do that. But, but, but carrying the shame of mistakes and decisions that you've made or what other people have done to you and what's happened to you in your life, you need to cast that shame down. You need to start calling it something different. You need to start naming it something different than what you've been naming it because what you've been naming it continues to bring that shame back onto you. And that's just a cycle that you will never be able to get out of until you make a decision to give up that shame. You don't have to carry that shame. God carried it for you, and he carried it far away from you. I don't have time, but in, in, in chapter 3, verse 1, we see that the, the serpent, who is Satan, speaks. Now, at this point, there had been no sin. So just because Satan may be speaking to you, just because everything may not be going right, just because you may be tempted doesn't mean that you are not fresh or not clean. Before Adam and Eve sinned, Satan was able to speak to him. This was pre-sin that Satan was speaking to him. In verse 6, we see that the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was delight to the eyes. So in verse 6, they were tempted before sin. Just because you're tempted doesn't mean that you're not fresh and clean. Doesn't mean that you're not in Christ. And then it wasn't until verse 7 of chapter 3, after sin, that the eye, their eyes were open. They knew that they were naked. They were exposed. And then they tried to make arrangements for that. They hid themselves. And, and man, I could go on and on and on. But God, if you're a believer in Jesus, he's made you fresh and he's made you clean. And he sees you that way. And we need to start seeing ourselves that way and recognize that among many things, we can go to God and he will hear our prayers and he will answer our prayers. We can be in his presence and have him with us and us with him. And we can hear what he says and he will hear what we say. We, 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 we need to realize that we can name those things that come into our lives. We can name them. We can call them a blessing. We can call it good, even if we don't feel like it in that moment because we have power in our, our words. And we need to realize that if you're a believer, you shouldn't have any shame because you are fearfully and wonderfully made. You are not a mistake. God created you just the way you were supposed to be created. And here, right now, no matter how you've messed that up, God still sees you as the apple of his eye. He loves you with a love that you'll never be able to understand or even wrap your mind around. And he's looking at you saying, you're good. And I love you. And if you haven't given your life to him, then the first step is you need to make a decision to do that. Because until you do that, it's not me. The Bible says that we are unclean, that we are stained by sin. And that's a stain that we can't wash out. We can't clean up on our own. We don't have the ability to do it. We don't have the currency to do that. But Jesus does, and he has, and he will, and he does now. Can everybody bow their head just for a few moments? Well, if you enjoyed today's podcast, there's a couple things I'd love for you to do. Make sure to subscribe rate and review this podcast. You can also invest in helping us empower others to follow Jesus by texting any dollar amount to 512-520-0185. Thanks again for joining us today on the Faith for Life podcast.